Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy. And I'm really digging this topic today. We're going to talk about, and I'm one, dads with daughters that play sport. Now, we have two special panels on day. Both have had a long history here at Body Science in some way or another. Max on board. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good to see you. Do you want to drop in how we sort of got associated like a few years ago, just so people sort of understand why you're sitting next to the guru? Yeah, absolutely. Not me. I'm not talking <laughs> about Kyle when I say that. <laughs> yeah, I was a touring musician under the guise of Kid Mac and a filmmaker. We had a TV show called... The crew uh, in amongst our peers, Body Science was sponsoring a lot of the footy clubs like Sato's Rabbitohs back in the day. That's how we first got acquainted through the Body Science family and over time got involved in a lot of activities and events with Body Science and then they partnered up with us on the crew and we were fortunate enough to travel the world together and see some amazing things, some of which included NBA games, Playboy Mansion um, and the rest stays on tour. Yeah, it's a podcast in itself, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's been 10 years. It has been a long time. And Cole, you've sort of, you're, you're part of the Body Science family family now, but you come from a rich history in uh, board as well. Yeah. So I spent the past, what, 15 years of my career working with athletes all over the world, athletes, teams, Formula One teams, that sort of thing. And my way into body science was actually via Mac. So Mac was the one who kind of made the connection, what, almost a decade ago now. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, I guess the rest is history. Yeah. It's been fun. And you guys are really keen to talk about your, you've both got young daughters. We do. And you're both really heavy in sport. And we, we want to talk about that topic, like uh, being a dad and how do we manage the expectations of the world right now in relation to, like, mate, you've got a Brazilian background, yep. so you obviously football is your thing. Yep. And you're a soccer-loving, we'll use soccer for us Australian people, you're a soccer-loving sporting dad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, born and bred. At, at seven, you're playing mixed sport, aren't you? Yeah. So my daughter, Aura, who's sitting with us here, seven years old, we're, we're living in Byron. She plays in a little mixed comp. There just wasn't enough girls to make a full girls team. So. Was that before the Matildas came on this year and did their thing? Pretty much. And this was like the season started March. The World Cup, Women's World Cup was middle of the year. So halfway through the season, everyone stopped to watch the Matildas play, which basically changed the entire landscape. And what the uh, participation levels were at the start of the season, all of a sudden kids came out of the woodworks trying to join the clubs halfway through, which was too late. And then we saw this ability to create uh, a follow-up season next year, of which I've started recruiting so we could get an all-girls team. Um, I've got my theories around how we can potentially get the girls way more invested in the sport early which mm-hmm. I think is key so right now she had a season where she'd come up against a whole team of boys who have been you know every spare minute of lunchtime at school they're kicking they're running they're just more active with a ball at their feet which it's that whole 10,000 hours thing with soccer it's you really have to do your time and they just do it at an early stage and the girls you know they're mixing up their their activities throughout their younger years so the boys are at that age you'd have to say more advanced to the point where they come up against a team of boys and it's just it's a whitewash and you know it's it's not great for them they go home not really keen to come back the following week mind you there's some really good talent in amongst the girls which is great to see so for me it's just like all right well we get recruit some girls make an all-girls team play against other girls equally as keen to to battle and then at that point you can really start to see where they are skill level wise and start to work out where they need improvement and this more so their confidence level keeps going from you know strength to strength i think that's the important thing i love the way you use the word battle then too like it's it's not a thing you, you traditionally as a dad and i'm an old dad too you guys are young dads so as an old dad probably wouldn't say i'd use the word battle with my daughter a lot 
I mean, she battles with me every day now because <laughs> she's way more intelligent in that space, but it's really nice to hear a dad talk about their daughter and sport and still use the word battle. Yeah. Like, Look, I, I just think there was a lot of, you know, terms used this season in the kids' sport about having fun, it's participation, and I think we're probably a little bit from the old school mentality that I think it's important for kids to to win and lose and get hurt and bounce back up and understand that there's repercussions for for mistakes or that there's room for improvement where we're needed um, and that whole idea of just playing for the sake of playing and no points and no winners I, I'm I don't necessarily agree with that and I think playing soccer my entire life has taught me so much about business about relationships friendships just mental battles and you know just goal setting and I think it's key to, for the kids to learn that at an early stage the early the better the that's the real world out there if they want to succeed in anything they do in my opinion do you agree absolutely yeah i think it without having that consequence of losing that it's really hard for a kid to celebrate the elation of of actually a win and, and understanding the significance of achieving something if you're kind of encouraged to play in this middle ground i don't want to use the term mediocre but like it's it's almost like celebrating average and it's like you kind of want more for your kids than that and while it's great to make sure that everything's inclusive and everybody has a really good time i think there's so much that you can learn from the consequences of winning and losing. What do you think we attach participation awards to sport? Why like we're not doing that in maths and we're not doing yeah. that in English? Why are we doing it with sport? Actually, it's a good question. I, I I don't know and I'd like to talk about it for a minute, but I think Australia is pretty sport crazy and there is so much involvement on weekend sports on every code and this whole idea of like uh, making it very family friendly was introduced quite recently, I'd say in the last like probably decade which to me is, is strange, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it's there. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. I think it's really important to make sure that, like, it, it goes without saying sport, to me is probably the most inclusive thing there is, right? Like, yep. there is a sport for everybody. There's adaptive sports, obviously, um, across genders like we're talking about today, but I think maybe we took it a little bit too far um, in a sense of just going, well, let's let's take the fun out of it for the kids by assuming that if we just make it all about fun, we're, we're doing the right thing. But actually, like when you think about that elation of scoring a goal, as an example, right? And, and that feeling of, of running across the trial. And like, I remember my very first game of rugby when I was 12 and actually scoring my first try and knowing that I'd contributed something to, uh, significant to the team where we would actually go on to win how much that meant to me. And I just want to now with my daughter obviously she's only doing little kickers at the moment so it's it's very much that sort of fundamental skills acquisition phase of, of whatever sport she decides to go into but whether she actually is going to get to experience that through those formative years and, and whether that then actually has an impact on what sports those kids choose whether that ends up being something in a team environment or whether that naturally starts to push kids more towards individual sports where there is a really clear winner or loser um, and, and what that impact has I, I, I don't know but it does feel a bit weird and it's I'd, I'd love to understand the psychology behind it a little bit more yeah, because exactly. I'm hoping that it's founded in psychology and not just an emotional decision that we kind of lost grip with. And Little Kickers is... So L Little Kickers is like a... It's a, a weekend program for kids um, between the ages of 18 months and, and four years old um, to learn the fundamental skills of soccer. But so it's soccer again, yeah. Yes, correct. So do you think... And, and here's a question I want to throw out there. Do you think that women's sports got a real challenge by the dominance of the Matilda? showed this year like I, I did not see that coming did you see I mean you're you're massive but did you see it coming not to that level I, mm. I saw a surprise package coming I knew the Matildas had a strong squad I was concerned that the rest of the nation wouldn't pay attention that was my fear because I thought this was our best chance at winning a World Cup but the results 
just kept getting better through the group stages into the you know final 16 and whatnot and then the ratings were just nuts you know like um i remember when i was i must have been like 10 or 11 uh it was a world cup 94 but brazil beat italy in the world cup final it was in the usa that was like the defining moment for me wanting to pursue a football career um just the stars the the age that Does i it was changed your life that much big time romario was the striker and i just wanted to be like that guy but basically we're both brown and <laughs> short status um <laughs> <laughs> and um you know just the ability to like see what a game could do to and like our whole family and our whole community would gather around this tv and like just the happiness it would bring it just changed my life and um i think the matilda's world cup did that for a lot of young girls particularly my daughter who was who's seven um and our entire community like all our neighbors got together and they all had young girls and we all watched it together and all of a sudden we wanted to kick a ball and everyone knew the players and wanted to like you know be the mary fowler or the sam kerr and like, i just thought that was a turning point it was a turning point it took me back to when i fell in love with football and wanted to pursue it um so i, I am surprised in how much it took australia by storm but it was it's about time and i think we had the stars um to do it and the results to follow and cole is that why because your, your daughter yep. says why aren't the matilda's playing unless she doesn't understand programming yep. and things that you do but is, is that why you're in soccer as well i think for me it's it's sort of similar to to max obviously my daughter's four so our world is all consumed by bluey and Paw Patrol. And the Matildas is the only thing you would have loved the that actually to took her attention away from that. And it became this discussion about when are the Matildas playing next? Can mm. we go watch the Matildas? Where are the Matildas? And I think what it was for her is obviously, because we sit and watch sport all the time together, but this was the first time that she actually saw something on TV that was representative of her yep. playing a sport that she absolutely loved. And like to, to Max's earlier point around the ratings and everything like that, what was really special about that time from my perspective anyway with with the matilda's world cup campaign this year was we had tim cahill's qualifying goal almost every second night for weeks on end like i was looking at the numbers last night and the final shootout um for the girls did the same numbers as the afl grand final the men's afl Is grand right? final so good. when you think about the fact that that was still very much like a that was a stage game right that, that, that wasn't even the grand final that wasn't the piece of resistance of the entire thing that was still just part of the journey and to have that momentum like i i can't think of anything else other than maybe the olympics and like um thinking back to like the the australian swimming team the dolphins and when there was just that really dominant era or athletes like Kate Campbell in the last Olympics that just dominated like we've gone from having these moments and complete caveat here this is an observational dad's look at this this is not coming from a female perspective whatsoever this is just my observation but we've gone from having these moments maybe once every four years when an Olympics rolled around and you had the likes of Jess Fox or whoever to this is something that's happening almost weekly now where you've got these incredible female athletes dominating and the conversation I feel is is quite positive because it's turning to them being an athlete and we're no longer trying to delineate and go well this is female athletes or male athletes like there's this broader i guess social acceptance that women's sports not going anywhere it's here to stay and they are just as competitive if not more competitive and arguably if you're putting australian athletes up against the rest of the world in terms of how australian athletes have performed this year the girls have dominated the men it's an interesting point there do you as dads how do you separate yourselves from male sport 
and female sport in that same, like you're talking Matilda's football and you're also talking Brazilian football team. Mm. There is a, a massive gap of years of a lot of money put into men's sport mm. and the programs that have created male sport to be what it is. Do you, how do you play in this space as a dad and explain to your, your daughter there that she can be in the future based on, I mean... I'm stepping back to where the Matildas are. Like what they have done for Australian sport is just incredible and probably the number one biggest thing that's Without ever happened doubt. in Australian sport mm. in history. How do we drive these young females to believe that that can happen across all sport, not just soccer? Mm. I mean, it's really easy to throw a soccer ball in front of a kid because they can start kicking it straight away. Mm. Like, And if I can step back to Jess for a second, you talk about mm. like yep. there's another incredible athlete that you Absolutely. did a whole lot with yep. leading into the Olympic, the last Olympics. But she did a sport that not many people can go and do. She did. Yeah. yeah, and and, and what, what did that mean for you as dads and where sport goes versus what the Matildas have done and the Lions have just done? And So if, I, if we use Jess as an example, um, uh, Jess's was purely environmental, right? Yeah. So her, her dad was previously the greatest paddler of all time, yeah. and then it was her mom, and then it was Jess. So I think the real lesson in this is just being the parent there that can provide the best possible environment for your child to succeed, male or female, in the things that they want to pursue. And I, I think really that's all it is. So I think that comes back to that point earlier around setting them up with realistic expectations. Not everything is a participation trophy. Not everything is just for the love of it. For sure, you want to make sure that they're always loving it. But at the same time, you, you kind of want to set them up for success the best possible way you can. And I think if we, we put more of an effort into that as a society, and for sure, you can, you can get into the argument around viewership and sponsorship dollars and all that sort of stuff. But if you take it back to say the NRL, right? So even back to the late 80s, there was still male NRL players that were working jobs and Absolutely, playing football. Yep. So there is proof there that with the right commitment from society and from the community that we can actually drive meaningful change, right? So surfing, tennis, a lot of these individual sports now have um, equal pay opportunity and, and things like that. And it's shown that like Serena Williams will do the same numbers as say Roger Federer in terms of viewing audience and everything like that. So I think that that old argument of, well, it only does this or only does that has been very quickly kind of stamped out by the Matildas. But if we don't make that commitment, um, it's all still obviously at risk. Yeah, no, uh, commitment is such a, a big word and a key word to, to use in this scenario. Like I feel like how you parent your kids, you know, I think at these early stages, like Kyle said, it's really about supplying the tools to allow them to try different things, see what they, they're good at, what what they enjoy more. And then when you start to hone in on something, I think there needs to be some sort of accountability and, and commitment at some point. I'm, I'm finding that a lot of the young kids in this generation, uh, they just wanted to fluff between a lot of different things and they like don't really want to focus on one for for a while and i think there is that tricky part that gray area as a dad where you you can see some promise in one area and you want to push them <laughs> but not push them enough where it just turns them off yeah. like surfing for example i love taking aura surfing but you know as a dad just started taking a little bit too far and pushing her on ones that just nosedived and then she just didn't want to go back for a while so you really got to tread tread lightly but without that commitment like i got one of my best friends we grew up playing at a very high level soccer together and now he's got a 10 year old boy who is incredible small little nippy kid and they've just come back from europe for a couple of trials over there and he's at that point where he's like i don't know if i'm pushing him too hard but I don't know if that's what's needed. And if I look at anyone who we grew up playing with, like Tim Cahill, you know, and, and his brother Chris, like all these guys who we all could see there was possibilities and avenues to, to make it, it was the ones that really got pushed and committed. And so it's just, there is that fine line. Um, and I think you got to forgive yourself a little bit if you feel like you 
you want to take the, the the route of pushing and helping them commit and supporting them and just understanding when they need rest and so yeah I guess that's that's one thing I think that we'll have to navigate as as dads particularly with with girls is just find that find that balance that's a big thing too because a balance for a female is very different to a balance for a male correct when you look at what drives a young boy and like you know they've just copped one on the head or this get up rub it off you mm. know my dad did to me here's a magic sponge you'll be all right get back out there versus sitting there and seriously looking at is this what this kid really wants as mm. being pulled off the ground and told to run back out yeah and that's where i'm in where i was heading to before on this sport side was with the matilda and the success it's really easy to grab a round ball and run around and kick it mm. like do we think that other female sports are going to suffer from the growth of one sport doing extremely well in viewership as a whole versus like if you love rugby league you watch the women's league and rugby league is great watch the sevens it's great i'm not a real soccer football fan so the matildas to me i didn't really it was great to see australia do what it did and it was great to see i've been a sport for a long time i could not believe the pull that they had like my daughter and my wife bought tickets to go we get tickets to everything Mm. at body science they bought tickets on their own to go and watch a game Mm. And they chose to go, yeah. You know, we have corporate boxes, everything. My daughter mm. never comes to any of it. And I just went, I had a real wow moment. Like, mm. I just thought, this is incredible. And, I, and I've and i been challenging myself a lot on, because we didn't have, oh, we did soccer for six months as growing up, but basically I played league and union, so we were straight into league and union. I just challenged myself on the fact that what is what is the power of one going to do to the power of the sport? Like, at, and I, if I can clarify that so I don't sound like a, an old male that's talking about women and male sport, I've invested in female sport for a long time at Body Science. It's way longer, way mm. before it was cool to do that. And I, and I mean that in a way where a lot of brands just jump on because it's cool to do now. We've been in female sport for a long time. So we've been a real part of that journey. And I've got some of my favorite things in this company are things that happened back years ago in that space. Right now, I look at, like, can you guys tell me what the score of the Lions final was when they just won the premiership? Mm. Yeah, you're right. You, you can tell me what the Matildas, mm. you know. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm really worried that, and like this is, and I'm talking at the same level of like transgender sport, and I don't want to go there today because that's not what we're about, but that same thing, the Matildas are so powerful now as a sporting un- unit. What does that do for sport? Like, and, mm. and you mentioned before about should I push them in one direction? I, I know I'm going around the long way on all this, but I've got a lot going through my head right now. Should we be looking at how do we leverage this to make this so great for the future of female sport, or does, do we go, let's grow so soccer in Australia like what is it I would just say like anything in life like in business whatever you see like you know another sport supplement company explode and do something amazing over here what does it do to you it inspires you it makes you want to either uh, act on something to compete against it or work out how they did what they did because you want to follow in in similar footsteps it's just like me I have a TV and film production company when I see a young filmmaker you know on the eve of releasing a new film like oh that's amazing I, I, I love that everyone's paying attention to that how did he do that let's find out how he did that and if this is something that we can do to you know get to that same scenario the matildas you know being up on that pedestal i think other brands and other codes it's it's only going to inspire them they, they're probably going to look at at that and, and think about well what can we take from that to grow what we're doing and i think it's it's a domino effect it, it might take time but i think the short answer from my perspective is it, it inspires others to act and i think that's the beauty of what that. they did i love that cole you've got you've probably got the um the next gen coming what'd you say you're paying 18 months to four year footy at the I, moment? I, Monster for yeah, and is that 
are you are you doing that because you love soccer or you think it's the safest sport for your child? And I'll use the word child instead of daughter here. Um, so so two things. One was obviously she asked to okay. do it. Wow. So yep. she she wanted to do it. Um, and then the second thing is it's really the only sort of established format for kids of that age. Okay. And so so naturally, I think to Max's earlier point about taking those learnings is not just taking the learnings from that six week period where we had the World Cup. Think about that entire journey from the first moment that someone is exposed to that sport. So yes, the fundamentals of kicking a ball around in the playground, right? Round ball playground, really simple, really like rudimentary fund it's pure, fundamental it? skills. It's pure, it's, and then they've built a framework around that. So whether it is through little kickers and and so I think it's it's probably the most non-contact contact sport, right? Yeah. So I guess there's a, a big part of that where there is less of an aversion from parents to put their kids into something at that age than say maybe an Oz kick or something like that, which typically starts a little bit later because I'm sure there's probably a whole bunch of developmental research that's sort of dictated when kids can and can't play full contact sport. So I guess to, to answer your question in a less roundabout way, it was like that's literally all there is for kids of that age. Like she can't start nippers until next year. Obviously, we live on the beach, so it's fundamentally important that she learn surf skills. But I think what they learn from little kickers is competition. What they learn from nippers for the most part is surf safety. Yeah. So it's just, I guess, about understanding the role that each of these individual sports plays in forming their character. And I like what Max said earlier about like, it's it actually really, it's the responsibility of the sporting bodies that as a community, we can only do so much, but the sporting bodies are the ones who negotiate the broadcast deals, are the ones who negotiate the sponsorship deals, are the ones who can build and craft those narratives around their athletes that, I mean, you look at what Formula One has done. I know, I know it's a, a male sport, but you look at what Formula One, what Liberty and Box to Box films have done with Netflix, where they didn't fundamentally change the racing whatsoever, but they've built an entire new fan base out of character-driven narratives. So I think like that, and that's something that anybody can relate to, right? Is when you start to actually understand the characters behind these things. And it's why, I mean, Sam Kerr is a fantastic athlete. She barely played in the World Cup, yet she dominated the yeah. entire narrative, right? It's because people were endeared to her character. So I think if we we focus on who these players are as individuals and, and what makes them great beyond the scoreboard, um, um, I think that will naturally help help this stay the course and not just become this fleeting moment and this this like glimmer of hope that we saw that kind of fades away. Yeah, I agree with that, man. Like you look at the UFC and how that exploded. They were the the kings of telling the story of two arch nemesis coming together to battle in the octagon and you you were invested in the guy who was from you know middle america and whatever his story was versus the guy who was you know less privileged from you know brooklyn um you know fighting for a, a black community and you, you took a side and they kept doing those 24 sevens in the lead up and um built characters and i think you know if you look at marketing and branding like we we my production company we we pride ourselves in storytelling and everything is about story that like that's how you get people hooked into something that they might not necessarily be into just like the Matildas we keep referring back to the Matildas but the the pre-game mini docos on players and you know and, and where this girl came from a small little country town and you know some girl would relate to that and, and all of a sudden that's her favorite player and I think that across the board you look at skateboarding now and how it's an Olympic sport and yeah, absolutely, you yeah. know and and what that's doing and, and they're starting <laughs> to build some great characters out of 
particularly Australia, um, and the more of that that the sporting bodies can do, they've got to treat themselves like a company, like a like a brand, just like the Matildas, and, and market it in a way that gets the reach and gets the attention in an authentic manner. Yeah, nice. This podcast is brought to you by the new BC Energy. Need a boost? You want that 160 megs of caffeine, 100% sugar-free, three flavors, ice blast, berry burst, lime crush. BC Energy is your answer. Whether you're looking to crush a can or crush a workout, Mark? Raise the bar, raise the can. Boom. I'm going to drop the big one here. Dads and their daughters playing contact sport. Mm-hmm. Now, you both played. You, you muck around the league at all when yeah, you were young? Bit. Yeah, a couple, couple of big hits. A couple of big hits. I just From that shoulder thing you just did, I know you didn't do many. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a little short, stiff arm there. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you do you have a fear? Because I, I grew up in contact sport. Like, I played league and union on weekends and I was never very good but I have a lot of things like knees and that now that remind me that I played a lot of that when I was younger are you I'm not talking about are they capable or not because we, we know we, there is some incredible female athletes well, the Levi sisters right yeah like look look, and you know the Jillaroos we, we were one of the first sponsors of the Jillaroos you know just do, do you but as dads because we're doing the dad thing does that make you nervous when you see that honestly no 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 uh, like and I think it comes down to the environmental point again where it's like if you're invested in it and you you I think because I know what my daughter is capable of I'm less worried I know that she can give she's making me gets. sound like a shit dad now um, but, but <laughs> no and, and why why I say that is obviously because she understands cause and effect right yeah. so like we we've really made sure that like we have made a conscious effort with her and with our son as well to so that they both understand cause and effect um, our son doesn't understand it very well but yeah so uh, and I also I think it's one of those things where nothing changes if nothing changes. So yeah. we can continue to say this, that, or the other, or because of this element of physicality, it needs to be toned down. But does it really? Like, have we ever asked the girls what they want? Or have we just made this? Oh, that's a totally different uh, problem. And I know but, what they want. I've had a few chats with them. They, they definitely won't any, don't want any special treatment in that space at all. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So like, I wonder to, to that question is like, is it because we, we still have these kind of older societal takes on things that it needs to be a little bit softer because because physically they don't have the same yep. muscle structure as you, men you or anything like that. what I worry like about here is all the research on contact sports like rugby, and I'm talking rugby league and union, for example, is male-driven. Like any all the sports science just yep. due to what it is, is male-driven. Like we talk about, and we're just getting into head knocks now with athletes here and, and looking at that seriously. There is no special system in place for, like my, my mum's had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And when you ask her, like, how'd you get that? Could have been a knock, could have been this, could have been that, could have been genetics, could have been a whole lot of things that cause that yeah there's nothing happening in that space right now to look at what and there are some very good sports doctors out there who would be in this but i just know from perspective of dealing with these athletes that and i ask what do you wear when you play i wear to this i tape this i do this there's no strategies mm-hmm. in place for this and, and as a and i'm just gonna go human here not a male i, I worry about that like the head collision stuff is never going to go you're gonna play contact sport you're gonna have head collisions that's going to happen but you look at the nfl and they wear all this kit and it just means bigger hits and they have less of them than rugby league but i i as a dad where i was getting to in this space was i do worry that there's not enough and my daughter is becoming a doctor like she's close to in that space so i do worry about the medical side of what we're doing here versus looking at how do we make this a better sport for the females like not i'm not talking rule changes and money and all that type of thing i'm talking about are we putting enough like the girls aren't even like you, you mentioned before there's not even parity and pay in most of these sports 
to you. No, there's not. So that means there's not parity in sports science. There's not parity mm. in all the things that happen in that area because clubs are run on a budget like everybody else. And I deal with a lot of clubs and I see the contracts that come over and I see how they're broken up and I see all these things. And for me, as a dad that had a daughter who probably missed contact sport due mm -hmm. to being in her 20s, she probably could have played it, but she chose surf and all those things in that that, that time. But I would, I, I sit here and I worry because my question was, do you worry about being yep. dads and your daughter's playing sport? I worry about the contacts that are happening because those girls play hard footy and w what is actually happening to their bodies because they have very different bodies to males. I think when you frame it that way, the answer is absolutely, I would worry. And so I was actually, so I, I'm on the board of a, a mental health charity and the CEO of our charity. And I were talking the other day because his daughter, she's 16 and she's just made the young Brumby side. So the, the women's yeah, nice junior work. Brumby side. And I asked him, I said, look, okay, so what, what do you do for nutrition or anything like that? At the time he's like, oh, nothing, but we need to kind of get onto it. And, I hear that line and, and, and all now, the time. But now that you bring it up, I, I think about it and I, I make that comparison back to say a Brumby's cult side on the male side, I can guarantee you there is a dietitian, there is a nutritionist and everything like that that has already Physio, been assigned massage, to these guys. Like, yeah. I mean, I know from some of the, the football schools here on the Gold Coast, I don't know, you've been through there with Kibra and, and the work that they are putting in to their male sport at that age and there is definitely still a, a disparity there for sure that I, I think does potentially create some risk so I guess it's more a case of asking the question of ourselves like within our orbit what what are we in control of and, and how can we have a positive impact on this to kind of help get that data to help create that awareness to help understand that my daughter is going to go through a physical change once every four weeks for the for a good 30 or 40 years of her life and that's going to impact her playing ability if she chooses to pursue professional sports so how does she work that into her training that's not something that a male athlete has to deal with or anything like that so i guess yes i do worry but i don't worry about what she's capable of yeah i, I worry too i think like equally like big hits to your to your tes testicles could you know absolutely yeah absolutely ruin any any chance of reproducing and then with females and breasts like and particularly female athletes who want to be mothers down the track and you know what that kind of impact could have on on that possibility down the track and you said it before like the, the reality is you know some of these clubs and sporting bodies they they run with certain budgets and there's just certain things that you just don't have access to and they barely have enough to get the kits get them you know to every every away game and off you go if you're looking at grass level uh, you know root, grassroots kind of scenario you you know maybe there is an opportunity there to to even like open up opportunities for you know like your daughter's you know almost a doctor there like you know, physicians like nutritionists whatever whatever it is maybe as part of their qualifications is having them on board with the team and having some sort of data collection or looking into that scenario of, of what could be supported um, and that's better than what's currently in place right now if they've got nothing so at least we're slowly building up coming up with the tide instead of just you know uh, we, we will get to that we haven't got the um the infrastructure to, to look at that yet here's another thing like growing up talking about opportunities you know i was a kid from a very working class family um both parents working two to three jobs each just to keep the lights on you know immigrant parents and you know i was on a promising run as a footballer there was a moment where i'd made i think it was like an under 13s australian team that was like eight and a half thousand dollars each player had to pay to tour Europe. We couldn't afford, you know, three ice creams on a weekend. We had me and my two sisters would share two ice creams. There's no way I was affording eight and a half thousand dollar trip to Europe. So I, I think back and even, you know, looking at Tim Cahill's upbringing and being a small player in a system where he was, 
you know, it was shunned because it was too small for what they thought needed to be a bigger build for a manly sport. And they scraped every dollar together to get, get him over to England to try and, you know, work his way over through the ranks there, which paid off for him. But right now, you know, more than ever, junior sport in general is so expensive to be a participant in day in day out season in season out and there's so many families out there with missed opportunities because of that and so that's one thing that i'd love to look at how we as you know business leaders pillars of society just dads in general who can make a difference um is i think some focus needs to be put there for sure because a lot of talent goes wasted particularly where we grew up and there's even more so right now and i think obviously um some of the the girls that I'm seeing, you know, like coming through Aura's sport, even just the ability to go and get a little, you know, seven-seater where you're picking up the kids because the parents can't take them to the sport because of the 50, 60-minute drives away, making them feel like they're a part of a family and a community that they can they can lean on. I think there's so many like entry-level kind of grassroots-level stuff that can be done to allow that infrastructure to be there because at some point when it gets too hard the easiest thing to do is like we can't afford for you to play this season and then pull you out you know that that's a a good point but you know that's still happening at the elitist level in female Mm. sport we've got a team who we've chosen not to be with next year that would not let us sponsor the female team if we didn't sponsor the male yeah right and that's happening today i'm not going to drop any names here because that's going to go bad but it just I, i was like i just went I cannot believe that they're saying this. Like mm. they were physically saying this to us. And I'm thinking, what is going on here at this level? And this is like elite. Mm. There is no higher level than the franchise I'm talking about. What you're talking about is fundamentally sports expensive to play. We really need to, and I, and I agree with you on that. And, I, and we should try and work out how we do do that and what we can put together in that space. And there might even be some organizations that play in that space already. How we can take away that issue, like to represent your country mm. at any age group in any sport, there should be something in place that makes that happen. Like you can't Absolutely. just run a curriculum mm. and at the end go, okay, there's 23 people picked, they've all got to pay $8,000 each. Like that's not representing your country. Mm. Did you, what did that do to you as a, as a player? Oh, it was just, yeah, it was heartbreaking to just have to like turn it down and just, yeah, give up my spot for someone else. Who had money. Who had money, yeah. And that's what's happened in that team I'm talking about. The boys get the money, the girls don't. Mm. Like, it pisses me off like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I can imagine, on a, like you said, on a pro athlete level, how much that's impacting female athletes who are needing to have a livelihood and, and survive, and they're at the top of the game. You know, it's just bullshit. And because I play in so much in elite sport, I just forget what you just talked about. Mm. Like, there must be, what, 10,000 elite teams, like, between city, state, country, every year that there's this massive group of people who have, it's on the mums and dads to fund that. Mm. Yet we listen to the news today and there's no money here. This is that housing's up. It's costing this. Interest rates are through the roof. I, th- I think it's a really interesting thing if you take it back to, like, let's look at it at a fundamental level, right? And this whole notion of prevention is better than the cure. As a society, where would we end up? So this is, I guess, a two-parter. One, in terms of the overall health of our society, if we subsidized participation in sport instead of worrying about oh, it's too expensive and so we, we're not going to subsidize that but we'll subsidize, say, doctor's visits. And don't get me wrong, like it's yeah. important for people to go and see a doctor, right? But if we put that same level of care into prevention and participation, what would that do to the health system over time? Yeah, I love that. And then the second point to this is if we did start to subsidize things at a grassroots level, what impact would that have on women's sport as well? Because we'd have more athletes going through and it's it's probably fair to say, and this is, this is a generalization, I don't have any data to back it up, but if a family's got a son that's showing promise and a daughter that's showing promise in a certain sport, yeah. 
who are they going to choose? So it's like, what can we do as a society to create an overall better and healthier society, but also make sure that the pathways into professional sport are 50-50? And that change really can only happen from a grassroots level up. It's not something that's going to happen top down because if it comes top down, everyone's looking to take a clip yeah. at every level on the way down. And it'll be, oh, well, I've got this program that's more important to my KPIs or my bonus structure or what have you. And it's just like, by the time it actually gets to the people that mattered and in the case of what we were just speaking about with the the women's professional team that value is so eroded by the time that it actually gets to them that the intent and the intent from the people that are coming into these spaces with sponsorship and everything is usually really positive and really well intended but they don't have complete control over that so i think there's definitely there's and look maybe it's like if anyone out there is is listening and it is good with lobbying and has experience with this in, in sport give us a call because i think it's fair to say that all three of us are committed to to being part of that change and not just sitting here and paying lip service to it because it makes a good podcast topic mm. yeah exactly yeah even like you know you look at surfing you know the matildas like there's uh, we work with so many brands and people know we play in this action sport and sport space and after the success of these athletes these brands are asking us to connect with these athletes it's like it's it's too late you know we should be talking to athletes or coaches about who the up-and-comers are who need the support um you know to to help them get to that top tier so that they get there together with the right support not jumping on a train that's already on top you know that's that's kind of the thing that shits me with with brands a lot is they they want to jump on teams with trophies uh, after the fact instead of growing with them you know from the start and there's a lot of opportunities there with unearthed undiscovered um, female athletes that just could do with the support, could do with the you know the bit of sponsorship or you know bit of bit of clothing, some running shoes or whatever it is to just get them to that point. And by scouting via you know coaches and other athletes who love propping up their own colleagues, um, we we could do that. And I think the brands have an accountability to do more of that shit, in my opinion. Yeah, true, very true. He's a tough gig though. Yeah, I, I can imagine because you, you know, stakeholders everywhere. Stakeholders, you need your return on investment, but I think some good research, you know, with on on where to invest that time and energy and some money could pay off. I think I'd be really like you were just telling me the stats last week, and I will go back to Matildas again because like it amazes me. Yeah, like, you were telling me their value had gone up from so so fivefold, so from estimated around forty million to two hundred and ten million over the course of the World Cup. And do you think that will erode the investment in other female sport, or do you think? that'll erode the investment in a lot of sport because to, to buy into that now is a big game. I think to, to Max's point, it will naturally attract people who want an easy win. Mm. So in that respect, I think, yes, there will be an element of cannibalization, but mm. I also think what it's done is show the white space opportunity if you get it right. Yeah. I think we invest in female sport because it is female sport. It is not male sport. It is different. It has different characters. It has different traits. It has different outcomes and it will definitely have a different history. And I think that's the part I love about it. I don't think rugby league is rugby league anymore. Women's rugby league is a totally different game now. Men's rugby league. And that's what I love about it. Getting all emotional. I think it's good. I think it's good. And I think it needs that emotion because to your, your point, it is, it's fundamentally different. It deserves its own platform. It Absolutely. deserves its own pedestal. Yep. It deserves its own fan base, opportunities, everything like yep. that. It is not the support category anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's, a, that's well put. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, that's own, really it's well its own put. headline show. Yeah. It definitely is. Like the characters, the quality of of the sport, you know, like rugby league 
quality you know like the pace the the, the back and forth like soccer it's now end to end you know like the men's sport is so technical that it just goes box to box whereas females is end to end and you've got you know incredible goals every game that you watch and you've got superstars uh acting like superstars which is everything that kids want to get into you know mm. and i think female sport at the elite level is creating its own narrative right now you're right it's no no longer a support act it's a headline show and i think that's why it needs its own support system just like any headline show needs it's really interesting like is there anywhere dads can go in this space to get a better understanding on setting pathways for their kids and i'm we're talking about daughters uh, look i how did you come across, was it Little Kickers? Little Kickers was actually just a referral from friends okay. um, and, and from the daycare center. But I think, look, it's just, I think it's just about educating yourself and just, just doing whatever you can to educate yourself. I've read this incredible book called The Talent Code, which is all about the environmental benefits for athletes and, and what it actually does by putting them into specific um, environments. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of research that's been done around ice hockey athletes, and they all end up being born within a certain stage of the year because of the size of them. And what was really eye-opening to me was it's actually not about the genetics. It's actually about the environment. So genetics plays a little bit of a part, but the reason that an elite athlete will have a child that also becomes an elite athlete is because they're taught how to think like an elite athlete. So I guess as a parent, it's like approach your child's sporting goals completely equal because male or female, they're capable of absolutely anything. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. I think like you as a dad to your daughter you've got this uh accountability as like a, almost like a personal coach where you you're there for their you know to listen to them like you said athletes want to be want to be heard you want to hear are they in pain you know are they over it mentally are they kind of like just stretched and support them on that personal level and then i think from a professional level like like kyle said it's really about educating yourself if you come from the sport yourself you've played you kind of get a good gauge as to like how it, how the politics of it all worked and the type of clubs or the type of um clinics and whatnot that you need to sort of befriend and understand but i think above and beyond that um it's putting in the time to to understand the pathways and i, and I look back coming through the ranks myself as a kid you know my parents didn't have the time to do any of that and i look back and a lot of the kids that made it through were really their parents were really invested like heavily time invested you know to the point where they were just making connections both locally and internationally um and it's to that level where you as you as a dad and if you're serious about it you really have to to pave that way and 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 put in the time and educate yourself yeah nicely put mate nicely put so uh guys how do we find you kid mac kid underscore mac on instagram um all you'll see these days is just posts of my, my daughters and my family which i'm stoked about and um hopefully um there'll be some future matildas in the mix of the d'souza clan Ooh, nicely put yeah likewise same with me kyle bullock underscore again pictures of my kids pictures of my renovations <laughs> and hopefully as well a, a future matilda um we'll just work out where on field they're starting to make the most money and, and that's definitely <laughs> where we'll be so expect to see um an, another little bullock running around up front um in a striker jersey and i'd say like be proud of being a like a soccer dad you know it's it's a new it's a new wave you know like yeah. everyone grew up being you know either a soccer mom or like the the dad to the son who was just screaming on the sidelines there's a new wave of particularly after this women's world cup um that we should we should bond together and talk about how we can pave the way to give our daughters the best chances at succeeding in sport yeah nice nicely put tough topic 
because you there's it's a minefield out there men talking about female sport and look this is purely our emotional personal take on it we certainly aren't in a position to talk on behalf of women but we're passionate dads and that's that's what we've given you today yeah and hopefully we came from a point of understanding that it's yeah it's it's exactly that like max said it's it's three passionate dads who want the absolute best for women's sport to be able to create better pathways for our children bring it on thanks for coming on boys yeah the girls